Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let Me Spiral. This is a podcast where I talk about geopolitical, social issues that are on my mind and that I find interesting. I research the topic to my fullest abilities and share my findings with you in the hopes that you'll find it interesting too and maybe get involved. I have left out my personal intro in the past few episodes, so let's bring it back for a moment. My name is Thunvi. I am a med student and I'm super passionate about correct research and getting reliable information out there so that we can all sound a little smarter when we get back into the small talk sphere. All that being said, without further ado, sit back, relax, and let me spiral about ladies and gentlethems. Today, we are chatting about pronouns and gendering. This is a topic which is very relevant in modern day communication as we strive to become more inclusive and caring as a society, but also currently topical as June is Pride Month and we all want to be prepared. We're going to talk about the different gender pronouns that are out there and what strategies you can use to make sure you are being inclusive in your language when addressing large groups of people, as well as why it is so important to be gender sensitive with your words. I'm not going to talk about the details of gender identity or of sexual orientation and what that means. I just wanted to make this episode to help us all learn to be more respectful with our language so that we can make sure our friends feel accommodated and supported. First off, let's do a quick grammar lesson. What is a pronoun? According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a pronoun is any small set of words in a language used as substitutes for nouns or noun phrases and whose reference are named or understood in the context. That means that we are referring to words such as it, they, I, we, you, he, she. These are general and broad, so um, let's narrow it down to personal pronouns that people use to distinguish themselves. These would most commonly be he, she, and they. When introducing oneself, the pronouns that one prefers are presented as third-person subject and third-person object. For example, my pronouns are she, her. Personal pronouns or preferred pronouns are often also referred to as gender pronouns, but this is not the most accurate descriptor to some because a pronoun is no definitive indicator towards the gender identity of a person. Gender identity is the gender or multiple that a person feels most like. This falls on a spectrum between the two traditional binaries of man and woman. This is not to be confused with biological sex, which is determined by your DNA, and according to latest research, also actually falls on a spectrum. If you identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth, you are a cis person. If you do not, there's an array of descriptors to fit your case. These three topics are, of course, not entirely separable from each other, um, gender identity, 
biological sex and pronouns are very intertwined. And that's why I mention it so that you can keep it at the back of your mind and maybe independently research gender identity and biological sex. However, for the scope of a 20-something minutes podcast, I cannot cover all bases. And so we're just going to go back to personal pronouns. Personal pronouns are used to refer to a person in their absence or even in their presence when talking about them in third person. Now, you'll notice that when I am referring to an abstract genderless human, as far as you can tell, I always use the pronoun they. This has been a colloquialism for a long time. In fact, since the 1300s, the English language has been using they to refer to a singular, nameless third person. Every so often, there were propositions of gender-neutral pronouns, such as the use of one and ones in 1770 by Robert Baker. The issue with this is that people defaulted to one his or one hers. This means that the gender binary was again enforced and didn't quite solve the problem of a lacking gender-neutral pronoun in English. People kept using they as a singular gender-neutral pronoun, however, and conjugating it as if it were a plural pronoun. This means that even when referring to a singular they, people say they are instead of they is. Grammar purists kept opposing this under the presence, uh, sorry, under the premise that this grammatical inconsistency causes confusion. Especially in the 19th century, grammarians voted that their, especially in the 19th century, grammarians voiced their strong opposition to this and insisted that the use of they as a singular pronoun should be avoided. However, people have kept using they as a genderless singular pronoun whilst maintaining the plural conjugation for the associated verbs without any significant issues in communication. Now, finally, in 2019, Merriam-Webster accepted they as a genderless or non-binary singular pronoun and affirmed that the conjugation used shall remain plural as people are used to it. This is to simplify language and remove barriers and make inclusion easy. The English language has had its history of very confusing declinations in the past, with the word you, for example, originally being thou, thee, and ye, each used in different situations. And over time, this also just eroded to the simple word you. With this justification, we can now use they, them as a singular pronoun and still maintain the verb declinations we are used to. Um, They, them is not the only gender neutral pronoun out there. There uh, are a large set of so-called neo-pronouns that have emerged, which non-binary people can identify themselves with. These include, but are not limited to Z, spelt X-E, declined Zem, Zir, Zers, and Zemselves, and Z, spelt Z-E, declined 
hear, hear, hears, and hear self. But there's also fei, spelled F-A-E, declined fair, fair, fairs, and fair self. Just check out the link in the description to a comprehensive list with um, explanations and pronunciations of different neo-pronouns if you're interested. And that's not all. We have other places where we gender people or assume their pronouns. This is mostly when we um, address people directly as Mr. or Ms. Men are always addressed as Mr. Women are mostly addressed as Ms. But this is also a historical change. Women used to always be addressed based on their marital status, either Miss or Mrs. Now we have come to a point where that is irrelevant. So we see more and more people using the more neutral Ms. spelt M-S. How does one address a non-binary person, though, when it's inappropriate to use their first name? For this, we have the suggestion MX, pronounced mix. Nevertheless, there are still non-binary people who may choose to use the traditionally masculine or feminine addresses. That is completely up to them. Now, having addressed and explained to you what pronouns are and what options you have, you might still be sitting there wondering why you should care and bother learning all of this. The short answer is respect. I find uh, Shige Sakurai explained it very well on their educational website about pronouns. Using the wrong pronoun is like giving someone an offensive nickname. If you did not intend to do this, that is fine. You can just apologize and then correct yourself. But if you do so intentionally, then you must ask yourself, why would you intentionally hurt a person? And ask yourself this question as a cis person. What if someone consistently addressed you with the wrong pronoun or with the wrong name whilst very well knowing that you do not want to be called that way? That would hurt a lot and anger you over time. So why not just be inclusive with a small change in your language to avoid the hurt? There is another aspect, however, that of the male bias in society. A paper published in the American Psychologist Journal in 1978 discussed the use of he-him pronouns as gender-neutral in many pieces of literature. They said that it is not possible that he-him is neutral because it causes the reader to think of males. And oftentimes, male is observed as the neutral, which is simply not true. Males represent just under 50% of our society, but seemingly all of literature and research which skews our perception of society and makes life for everyone else much harder. This paper was published in line with the American Psychology Association changing their guidelines to recommend he or she as gender-neutral language in papers to encourage the reduction of bias. This, of course, at the time was quite momentous, but soon people realized that it made writing clunky, and it wasn't much favored. 
A study published in Sex Roles in 1999 addressed methods to eliminate the perceived gender bias in papers by discussing what the effects are on the reader when one alternates between he and she in every paragraph. Readers perceived a female bias, and with that, a negative perspective on the text, lower seriousness or quality. This bias was less pronounced um, if the alternating happened on alternate pages or chapters. So the question is whether the perceived female bias when being gender neutral comes from the fact that there's an inherent male bias in our society in language anyways, as is suggested in the 1978 paper. Luckily, now that Merriam-Webster, um, the dictionary has officially declared they as a gender-neutral singular pronoun, different institutions can recommend it in official use because it has grammatical backing. The reasons to eliminate the bias go beyond objectification, however. A massive proponent is representation for everyone, and with that, the strengthening of a cohesive society with equal opportunity for everyone. We know that there are strong gender associations built into our societies, which actually prevent development in the long run. A study published in 2003 in the Journal of Psycholinguistic Research by Kennison and Trofe, had participants read sets of two sentences aloud, and the speed of reading was measured. The first sentence contained a word that had gender-stereotyped words, and the second sentence started with a gender pronoun, he or she, referring to the first figure. For example, the doctor criticized himself or herself. When the gender pronoun did not match the gender stereotyped word, the reading time was longer. This shows hesitation and how deeply ingrained gender pronouns are in our society, even in a language that does not inherently gender their professions in the words. And with that, I would like to introduce you to the concept of gendering. Gendering is the process of neutralizing or integrating gender into language in order to understand systems and situations better. Gendering is only rarely seen in the English language as there are gender-specific words like none or father or gender-neutral words like doctor or teacher, but there are some, such as police man or police woman, which are now being neutralized to police officer. There are languages that rely very heavily on gendering to eliminate their linguistic genders, though. To better understand how gender is neutralized in language, we need to look at what types of languages there are. An article published in 2016 in The Frontiers in Psychology assessed whether gender-fair language can help reduce gender stereotyping and discrimination, and they outlined the following. There are genderless languages, 
such as Turkish or Finnish. These don't have any gendered pronouns or any personal nouns. Um, and the gender is only expressed using adjectives such as male or female. You would always say that this is a male teacher or a female teacher. And all teachers would be referred to as they. And in such languages, there are no gender fair policies necessary, perhaps. Um, because you can't change the, gen the, the gender in the language much. There are natural gender languages like English and Swedish where there are no gendered personal nouns, um, but there are personal pronouns for the genders such as he or she. That means that we have words like teacher. Um, however, we then refer to the teacher as he or she, not as a neutral they. Um, for such languages, the suggestion is neutralization. This means that we bring in gender neutral pronouns when referring to an unnamed entity and we should change personal nouns to eliminate gender, such as in the aforementioned police officer. Grammatical gender languages, such as French and German, um, address gender everywhere. Every noun has a grammatical gender. There are gendered personal pronouns and words related to nouns have to be fitted to the gender that they are related to. So you have to make sure that the adjective matches the gender of the object or the person that you're talking about. For this um, case, the suggestion is feminization and neutralization. Um, now, these suggestions cannot be put into action everywhere because, for example, France just now banned the gendering of words because they claim that this is too complex and they want to preserve the traditional language and don't want to accept inclusive language as a result, I guess. Um, complexity was also cited as a reason to ban gendering in schools. However, especially in schools, is where we need gendering. The 2016 paper I mentioned uh, cites a study done in Germany and um, Belgium in the schools where the grammatical gender of job titles was shown to influence children's tendencies to choose these jobs as careers that they could imagine for themselves. When only the masculine form was used um, in this survey, fewer girls chose these jobs as a perceivable option for themselves. Whereas when jobs were presented in the same survey with both, with both masculine and feminine forms, the distribution was more equal. That begs the question, why are we subconsciously limiting our children and pushing them in one way or another when they should be told that the world is their oyster? In lieu of striving towards a more equal and representative world, the European Institute for Gender Equality has published a series of recommendations on how to use language. Firstly, they classify different types of gendered language. There's gender sensitive language, which is gender equality made manifest through language. Um, 
this is addressing people who do not conform to the gender binary in language with equal value, dignity, integrity, and respect. This includes using they, she, he, and gendered nouns equally so as to include everyone in the conversation. Next, there is gender discriminatory language, language that fosters gender stereotypes or demeans men or women. This would be like always using the pronoun she to refer to a secretary, even if you don't know what gender that secretary identifies as. There's sexist language, which is straight up gender discriminatory language, where the user intends to be derogatory. This would include the common phrases like throwing like a girl or man up. Then there's gender bias language, which implicitly or explicitly favors one gender over the other. This would be using a gender neutral noun, such as filmmaker, but then always using the pronoun he to refer to the filmmaker, implying that filmmakers must be men. Gender neutral language or gender blind language is not gender specific at all. It makes no reference to gender such as everyone must clean their own desk. This includes everyone and might seem like the safest option to use at all times, but to this, the Institute says that it is not always appropriate to use gender-neutral language. Sometimes it is appropriate to use gender-sensitive language because there are times when you need to recognize the individual struggles of groups. Which brings us to the discussion of intersectionality, as covered in the last episode. So this was surely a lot of information packed into a small amount of time. I hope you could still follow along with everything. If um, you do have questions, check out the bibliography linked in the description to see my sources, or send me a message and I will do my best to answer. I am in no form an expert on the topic. I just care and want those around me to feel seen and safe in my presence. So with that, here is my plea to you. Think about the language that you use. Even if you are not intentionally using any particular kind of language, think about if there are still ways to be more open in what you say especially if you're speaking to a large audience. If you are in a position of power at any organization, make sure to address everyone around you. Because maybe once they hear you using gender-sensitive language, they will feel more inclined to be themselves and that will better relationships within the company. Ask people which pronouns they prefer the same way you ask for their name, or simply offer your pronouns while introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Thunvi, and I go by she, her. It's just a few extra syllables, which are so much more valuable than the usual, and I'm 20 years old, or your place of origin. A handful of terms you can use instead of ladies and gentlemen are friends, colleagues, people, everyone, or even ladies and gentlethems, as I said in the intro. Mix and match it according to the situation. 
add your pronouns to your email signature or to your bio on social media. Make sure you are representing everyone the same way you feel represented. Especially all men, please help eliminate the bias. The moral of the story is, let us make everyone feel welcome in our society. Another loaded topic, Um, but with that, I am done spiraling. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was something new that you might want to learn about some more. Um, Please feel free to share this episode with people you might think want to hear it or need to hear it. Um, Research sources that I used are in the description. And please write to me with absolutely any thoughts you may have at Let Me Spiral on Instagram and Twitter or any other way you want to get a hold of me. And with that, goodbye, friends.